Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I feel that there are times when we need God to come and refresh who we are. We need God to come and anoint the giftings that we've already possessed. But then there are times like in the change, as we just sang about that that change that comes in the glory of God. There are times like Abram, when God touched Abram and ministered in his life, he didn't just take who Abram was and anoint it to another level. God took a part of himself. He He took a very part of the name Elohim and added a part of that name to Abraham or to Abram and made him Abraham and here's what I believe God wants to do today is not just renew who you have been and not just anoint who you are to another level but I believe God wants to take a part of his very nature and add it to the people that are in this room amen why so that we can become the father of many nations so we can impact people beyond just what we have in our personality and in our gifting So right now, if you want God to add a part of his nature to yours, I want you to raise your hand. God, I don't possess the ability to do what you're calling me to do. My personality doesn't allow me to do and to be what you're asking me to be. And so, Lord, if I'm going to do what you're asking me to do, I need need heaven right now. I need a part of God to be added to me. I don't need you to just transform who I am. I don't need you to just revive and renew who I am. But, God, I need you to add a part of your nature to my nature so that I can be what you've called me to be, so I can go where you've called me to go. Lord, I pray right now, let the great Elohim right now, the God that created the heavens and the earth, let the very nature of God be grafted into the hearts and the minds of men and women in this room today. Come on, Abram, you're not going to be just a father any longer. You're going to be a father of many nations. That's it, Lord, I receive it. I receive the nature of God being grafted. I receive the nature of God being grafted into the hearts and the minds, into the spirit of those right now that are hungry to do a work for God. Just one more time, I want you to reach over and pray for your neighbor. Hallelujah. Yes, let the nature of God. We don't don't just need 2.0. We don't just need a second version of ourselves, a greater version of ourselves. We need God added to us. We need the nature of God added to our nature. We need to lose our identity in the identity of Him. I'm not Abram anymore. I'm Abraham. My identity is hidden in the nature of God. It's not me anymore, but it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's it, Lord. Let it be added. Come on, let that anointing be added. Let that God anointing, that heaven anointing, Let that Christ anointing be added into the lives 
of the men and women in this church so that we can reach our nation, so that we can reach our world, so that we can reach God, so that our scope can be broadened, so that our reach, God, can be, can be extended beyond what it has been before. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All across the room, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 5, what a tremendous presence of God is in this place. As we turn there, I would ask the church to remember this week in your prayers, Brother Josh and Sister Jess Johnson, our youth pastors here. Brother Josh's grandmother passed away earlier this week, and they're in Atlanta. The funeral service was yesterday. I believe they're traveling back home today. But keep them in your prayers. Keep Sister Angie in your prayers. She had a gallbladder uh, removed earlier this week, and I know she is recovering. But it is a process, and we want to pray for Sister Angie for her strength. Amen. We do welcome those that are viewing online. Uh, I know that we have a growing uh, Facebook online community that follows the service is here, and we welcome them into our service today. I realize the atmosphere that is here, we could kind of just allow that to linger, and we could leave here encouraged, but I do feel like God has a specific word for today, so I'm going to go ahead and do my best to deliver that. Joshua 5, verse 11, the Bible says that the children of Israel did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes, parched corn, in the self same day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more. But from that day forward, they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Amen. I want to preach for just a few minutes on this thought. Manna must cease. Amen. Manna must cease. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. In Exodus chapter number 16, we find the children of Israel have completed their exodus from Egypt and their miracle crossing of the Red Sea. But just one month and 15 days removed from bondage in Egypt, the people began to murmur. The murmuring went something like this. Would to God that we had died in Egypt. At least there we had food to eat. Well, we can chastise them all they want to, but I think I would have been complaining a little earlier than one month and 15 days if there was an ample food supply. A month and 15 days after miraculous parting of the Red Sea and Israel being brought in across that Red Sea and then Pharaoh and his army being devoured by the Red Sea. But a month and 15 days later, the people began to murmur would to God that we had died in Egypt, at least there we had food to eat. And there in the wilderness, moving from bondage to promise, from enslavement to a possession of promise, God hears the murmuring of the people, and he speaks to Moses and says this, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather every day. And so it was from that day forward, every morning, when Israel would wake up, bread from heaven would be piled on the ground. First of all, I want to establish this morning 
that manna was a good thing. Tell your neighbor manna was a good thing. This bread-like substance that the Bible, uh, it describes it as being a, a bread-like substance that had the taste of a honey wafer. It was sweet, amen. It, it had a sweet taste to it. It was miraculous provision. The Bible also refers to manna as bread of heaven. In other places, it's called corn of heaven. Sometimes it's called angel's food. It's the original angel food cake. And it's also called spiritual meat. For more than just being a good thing, manna was a God thing. Because manna was the right thing for the wilderness. Amen. God sees Israel in the wilderness. And there a month and 15 days removed from the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. And being brought out of slavery in Egypt. God sees them in a place of wandering in the wilderness. Moving from bondage to promise. And God says manna is the right thing for the wilderness. Amen. Manna was intended to be miraculous food from heaven that would sustain Israel on their journey from bondage to promise. When God gave them manna, Brother Sylvia, it was his intent that it would only be there from the time it took them to journey from Egypt until it it took them to get to Canaan. But this manna that was intended by God to be a temporary two-year provision as they made their way from slavery to promise would become much more than that. For it was at the beginning of the third year of their wandering that they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And there at this place called Kadesh on the banks of and the threshold of the Jordan River, at the boundary of entering into promise, God speaks to Moses and said, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Amen. I want to say that again. He said to Moses, send men into the land which I give thee. Not go search out the land to see if I give it to thee. Not go look at the land that I may give to the children of Israel. Not go look at the land that one day I will give you. No, it was an emphatic, absolute, right now, present tense promise from God saying, I've given you the land. We always get in trouble when we start tinkering with God's promises. When we start rephrasing things. When God says, I'm going to do something, don't you add an if to what God says, I will do. Some of you think it's okay to put an if on praise. God never said to put an if in front of praise. It's always the right thing to do to give praise unto God. It was an emphatic, absolute, right now, present tense declaration from God, I give you this land. He says, just go search it out. And somewhere between God telling Moses to send a party to search maybe how they would take the land, it turned into see if we can take the land. The search party was never intended to decide if they could take the land. They were simply intended to search out the land that was already theirs. We know the story. Ten spies come back with the report that they can't take the land. And only two come back with the report that they're well able to take the land. 
In Numbers chapter 14, verse 26, God speaks to Moses again. And this time, he says, because you doubted me, because when I said, go search the land that I do give you, you put an if in front of that, and then you said, God can't give us the land. And because you doubted my promise, because you doubted my power, because you doubted my ability, you will now wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And a manna that was intended to simply be a provision on a pathway to promise would instead become a substance that would sustain Israel while they were in a place that they were never meant to be. I wonder if there's anybody here on this Sunday morning. I know I'm preaching to a bunch of perfect people, but for those of you that might have snuck through the cracks today and you might have a few flaws in your life, is there anybody here this morning that you ever found yourself in a place that you knew you weren't supposed to be? Anybody ever come to your senses and realize that I'm involved in doing some things that I've got no business doing, living a life that I'm not supposed to be living, involving myself in things that I'm not supposed to be involved in, developing habits that you know are destructive. We doubt God, we doubt his word, and we end up in places we were never meant to be. We end up taking trips we were never meant to take. We end up going places we were never meant to go. And yet, even in the place that you were never meant to be, I thank God today that even when I found myself in a place I wasn't supposed to be, God still sustained me. The devil should have destroyed me a long time ago. I can't even tell you why he didn't. The only reason I can tell you is because the mercy of God. I'm preaching to people here today that you should have overdosed and died. You should have died driving behind that vehicle while you were intoxicated. But the mercy of God kept you when you were in a place that you never should have been. If God sustained you while you were in a place that you never should have been, can you give him praise right now for his mercy? Thank you for manna, Lord. Thank you that even though I doubted you, thank you that even though I disobeyed you, you still sent mercy my way. You still sent manna my way. Come on, some of you are out there living your best life. Or so you thought. Out there sowing your wild oats. Doing your thing. No thought about what God wanted you to be doing. You were out there doing your own thing. And even then God was sustaining you. You think you just got lucky. You think you're just slick enough that nobody ever caught you. Let me tell you, you ain't slick enough. Sin will find you. Let me tell you why you're here today. Because the mercy of God sustained you. There was manna in the wilderness. God said, I'm going to keep you because I've still got a promise waiting for you. Come on, somebody. I think we ought to give God another level of praise today. I'm, 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 I'm preaching to praise singers that you should have been dead a long time ago. Musicians that the enemy should have destroyed you. Marriages that should have been torn apart. But God gave you manna in the wilderness. 
I don't know if you remember back in, I think it was the 80s, one of the greatest basketball players, at least collegiate, Lynn Bias. They say one time he tried cocaine. One time, the first time he tried cocaine and it killed him. Listen, there are people in the building today, you tried things more than once and yet you're still here today. The mercy of God kept you. There ought to be nothing in hell that can keep you from giving God praise. There ought to be nothing in this world that can keep you from giving God praise because I shouldn't even be here today. But I found manna in the wilderness. Come on, there's manna in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Times that you felt like you were falling apart, but God held you together. Circumstances that should have destroyed you, but somehow God sustained you. You knew the devil had you dead to rights, and God had every right to walk away from you, yet still the hand of God was on your life. This is the mercy of the Lord. It's manna in the wilderness. It was meant to just sustain me on my way to promise, but I took a detour and did some things. I didn't care what God thought about it. I was just interested in pleasing myself, but manna kept showing up every morning. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. His mercy is new every morning. He should have walked away from me a long time ago. But I got up the next morning and walked outside and mercy was on the ground. I got up the next morning and walked outside and manna was on the ground. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. I'm not preaching to the perfect saints any longer. I'm talking to some folks that you know that God's been better to you than you've been to yourself. You know that God's been merciful when you didn't deserve it. He provided me. He provided for me when I was in a place I shouldn't have been. He provided for me when my life was in a place it never should have been. He kept me when I was in a place I never should have been in. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for manna. Thank God for his hand that kept me when I didn't deserve to be kept. Thank God for manna. But if we aren't careful, we can become addicted to manna. Because manna's easy. We just get up every morning and manna's waiting to be gathered. No work. No planting. No plowing. No watering. No harvest. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to change anything. I just get up, go outside, and gather. And living on mercy is the easy way to live. It requires nothing of us. We continue living immoral lives because we know, we, we continue living those uh, immoral lives that we know we have no business living. Why? Because I know there's always going to be manna the next morning. We continue to live lives that we know aren't pleasing to God, but then we hide under the I'm under grace cop-out. Be careful not to confuse God's mercy with God's approval. Just because God is still feeding you doesn't mean 
that he's still leading you. Just because sin hasn't destroyed you doesn't mean that God approves of what you're doing. Amen. I need, to under, I need you to understand that today. The mercy of God does not equal the approval of God. Amen. God may still be sustaining you. God may be holding back the enemy. But it doesn't mean that that's all that God has for you. The epistle of Jude, the fourth verse. Jude writes and says, I say this because ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. I'm under grace. I can live like a reprobate because I'm under grace. It's okay because there's manna every morning. But Jude says you need, to, you need to be aware of those people. They've wormed their way into the congregation and they're telling you that grace gives you a license to continue wandering in a wilderness, living lives you don't, you don't belong living, existing in places you never meant to be. You need to be aware of them. He goes on and says the condemnation of those kind of people was recorded long ago. For they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. The fact is you weren't meant for more, you were meant rather for more than manna. Don't get addicted to manna because you were meant for more than manna. The purpose again of manna when God first spoke to Moses and said I'm giving you manna it was supposed to be a temporary thing that led me from bondage into promise the mercy of God wasn't supposed to be the summit of my relationship with God it was only supposed to be the beginning of my relationship with God two amens I thank God for his mercy but mercy was never meant to be the ceiling of your walk with God. It was meant to be the foundation of your walk with God. Mercy is not supposed to be the summit of our walk with God, the highest that we ever hope to ascend to. Rather, it is the base of the mountain at which we must all begin. Thank God for manna. But he made me for more than manna. Thank God for mercy, but I want more than just mercy in my life. Thank God that he kept me, but I want more than just to be kept. Because while manna was a good thing and manna was a God thing, God had more for Israel than manna. The Bible tells us that the day that Israel crossed the Jordan, 40 years later, what was meant to be a two-year provision became a 40-year provision. But the day that that 40 years ended and the day that they left behind the wilderness, the day that they moved from wilderness wandering to promise possessing, God said the manna must cease. The day that God moved them from wilderness to promise, God caused the manna to cease. For while manna is a good thing when you're wandering in the wilderness, you need more than manna to strengthen you when you're possessing promise. Amen. Manna's good when you're making your way from one camp to the next. But manna's not enough when you're building houses for your family to live in. Manna's not enough when you're planting crops so that generations to come will have food to eat. Thank God for manna in the wilderness. But I need more to dwell in the promise. While Old Testament manna was a good thing and a God thing, there are some issues that I find with manna. First of all, 
With manna, it's the same thing every day. Maybe some of you are all right with that. I've got, Brooke has a dog. Cute little dog, Jojo. Jojo wakes up this, every morning. Hyped, I, I mean, out of his mind, excited. When Brooke opens the same thing he's had to eat every day his whole life. I don't know about you. I need some variety. I mean, I, I like pancakes, but I don't want them every day. I like Rocky Road ice cream, Brother Roberts, but I don't want it every day. Amen. I, I am not going to wake up excited if you give me the same thing every morning. Forty years in a row, they eat the same thing. I, I know my dog at home gets excited about the same thing every day. And there are people that you come to that place where you're content with nothing but mercy in your walk with God. You never grow beyond that. You never move beyond mercy. And you become content with that. Can I tell you, there's more in the kingdom of God than just mercy. Can I tell you God has more for you than just an everyday diet of mercy? Why don't you try living in grace? Why don't you try walking by faith? Why don't you try the joy of the Spirit and the peace of the Lord that passes all understanding? Man, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I need more. I don't need pancakes every day. I need some variety in my diet. Is there anybody... You all looked at me like I was crazy when I said that. Are you all okay with eating the same thing every day? Give me some variety. And that's a preference issue. But the second one is a possession issue. You see, one of the reasons that God gave Israel manna in the wilderness is because when they were in the wilderness, they were unsettled. They would dwell in one location for a period of time, days, maybe months, and then they would... The glory cloud would move and they would follow it and they would move to another location. Therefore, when they were in the wilderness, God knew that they needed a transient source of food. And manna was that transient source of food. Wherever they went, the manna followed them. Now that sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Food that follows you. Amen. Somebody start a company right there. Food that follows you. That's one step better than fast food. Fast food is you can drive to where it's at. But manna was food that drove to where you're at. That's good food right there. I don't even have to call Domino's to get them to deliver. They know where I'm at and my pizza is waiting on me every day. Amen. That's manna. Manna followed them to wherever they were because when they were in the wilderness, they were it was transient. And so they needed a transient source of food. Amen. They needed food that would show up where they were at. And I know that sounds like a pretty sweet deal, but here's the problem with transient food. Transient food never grows any roots. And as long as Israel is eating manna, they would never possess anything. They would never be able to open the back door and look out in their yard and say, that's my yard. That's what God gave me. That's my possession. They didn't have any of that because it was just manna. It was a transient lifestyle. They never became established. And as long as you are collecting manna, you've got no property. Amen. Corn in the field establishes possession. You start growing crops, you can begin drawing property lines. That's mine over there, and that's mine over there. That's my joy over there. That's my peace over there. That's my righteousness over there. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. God gave it to me, and it's mine. I've established some things, and it's mine. It's mine. 
Some of you don't know what that feels like. And all you got is mercy. And you don't know where your joy is. And you don't know where your peace is. It's time to leave the wilderness. And it's time to grow some roots. United States of America in 1862, settlers were moving westward. They were frontiersmen. So they established, the government did the Homestead Act. This was a legal action that gave possession of over 10% of the United States land. Over 160 million acres of land was divvied up among those travelers who moved westward. You were moving westward and you wanted a piece of land, you could have it. There was a simple process. But one of the most important steps in this process, Brother Andre, for you to move from, from just being a settler in a wagon moving westward uh, to a man that could wake up and say, that's my field uh, and those are my crops uh, and that's my corn over there, my cabbage over there, my cucumbers over there. You had the, the one requirement that was very important uh, is you had to improve the land. That meant you had to plant something. Until you planted something, that land wasn't yours. You might say it's your land, you might build a fence, but the law said uh, that land isn't yours until you grow some roots there. Uh, that land isn't yours uh, until you put a plow in the ground. Uh, that land isn't yours until you throw seed in the, in the, in the uh, rows that you plowed. Uh, that land isn't yours until you've harvested a crop. Uh, I want you to know today it's time for you to move from wandering to established. What can you stand up today and look at the enemy and say, get your hands off of that? That's mine. Devil, you can't mess with my praise. That's my praise. I grew some roots there. I improved the ground. We sing about the devil giving me all my stuff back. Give me back my joy. Give me back my peace. Give me back. Uh -huh. I want it all back. But the problem is, if you're still living on manna, you don't have any stuff. You were borrowing joy. You were borrowing peace. You were borrowing happiness. You don't have anything until you move out of manna and you start planting some things. The devil's not stealing anything from you. The issue is you never had anything to begin with. That's why so many of us feel like we're never progressing in our walk with God, like we're never possessing anything. Why is there no fruit of the Spirit in my life? Why is there no peace? Why is there no joy? Why is there no love in my life? Because fruit only grows where there are roots, and there won't be roots until manna ceases. Second Peter 3 and 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. If I'm going to grow, Brother Roberts. I've got to move beyond manna. I've got to move beyond just living however I want to live. 
And opening the door the next morning, hoping that manna is still there. I've got to move. I've got to allow God to begin to change some things in me. Listen, if all you want is manna, and you don't care about the fruit of the Spirit being evident in your life, if all you want is God's mercy holding off the enemy, then fine, keep living the life you've been living. But if you want fruit to begin to grow, and if you want the favor of God on your life, and if you want to be established, and if you want the grace to grow in your life, then you've got to grow some roots you've got to plant some things when there is no possession there is no inheritance as long as they were living in the wilderness eating manna they had nothing to give their children that lifestyle you're living in you got nothing to hand your children oh be an alcoholic like daddy we don't want that for our children when we're living outside of the plan of God, when we're not moving from bondage to promise and we're just wandering around in a place that we're not meant to be, the best prayer we can pray is, God, don't let my children end up like I am. What a terrible prayer to have to pray. Wouldn't it be better if you could rise up with confidence and say, I got corn in the ground. I got cabbage in the ground. I've been preparing some things. I've been planting some things. I built a house that I can pass on to my children. I've got an inheritance that I can hand to the next generation. I wonder if anybody cares about the next generation. Do you care about what you're handing your children? How selfish is it to just say, well, forget it, God. I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do and just keep praying that my children don't reap the harvest of what I've been planting. I'm living on manna. I've got nothing to give my children. I've got nothing to hand to the next generation. When I'm living a life where I'm comfortable living unchanged and unchallenged by the word of God. I've got no anointing to give to the next generation. And so I say, as God said to the children of Israel, when they left wandering and they entered into promise, manna must cease. Why? Because I've got to have an anointing to give to Brooke and Riley and Cameron and Dakota. I've got to have mercy. I've got to have faith. I've got to have love. I've got to have joy. I've got to have peace. I don't want to pray that prayer, God, don't let my children end up like I am. Some of you look like you're concerned about me today. I'm all right. I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging you that God has more for you than just mercy. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God that you're here today. Thank God that that lifestyle you were living that should have destroyed you, the hand of God kept you, and you're here today. But that's not the end of the story. God gave you mercy to move you from bondage into promise. Don't get stuck in between. Don't settle for mercy when there's corn waiting in Canaan. Why don't we stand up and give the Lord praise right now? God wants to give you an inheritance. God wants to give you a goodly inheritance. God wants to give you a heritage. I want to be able to turn to my children and say, I worked hard at this, but here's the peace. Come on, I fought some devils for this, but I've got peace to give you. Baby, if you want to walk in peace, I plowed the road. Just follow the plow, and you can dig your own road just like Daddy did. But I've got an inheritance to give you. I've got a heritage to give you because I moved beyond manna, and I'm enjoying the corn.
Man, I tell your neighbor, man, I must cease. Can be seated for just a couple of more minutes. I'm almost finished. Musician, you, that's your cue. That gives everybody else in the building. I saw smiles on faces that I hadn't seen them all day. It's all right. I've been there too. God is calling us to leave our wandering in the wilderness and move into possessing the promise. The day the Bible says that manna ceased, they began to eat corn. I know that sounds just as bad as manna. I mean, sweet honey flavored bread, that sounds better than corn every day. I guess to, to me it does. I mean, I like corn, but once a week is good. One, one, twice a week at the most, and I'm fine. If you hide it in some stuff, right, put some hamburger around it and some gravy, and, and you hide the corn, put it in some soup, hide it in a soup, I'm okay with that. But every day all you got to give me is corn, I'm not okay with that. Doesn't sound any better, but the word corn there is simply the word produce. It wasn't just ears and ears and ears of corn. It wasn't like manna stopped and God said, okay, now you're going to go from eating honey-flavored bread, now you're going to eat corn every day. No, it was produce. It was lettuce and, and, and field-ripened tomatoes. It was cantaloupe and watermelons. It was cabbage. It was zucchini. It was squash. Come on. Can I get an amen from any Brother Jones, where you at right now? I need some help from over there. Amen. If you don't know, Brother Jones can turn a field into a harvest. He brought me some tomatoes back in the summer. Make you slap somebody. Them things were so good. Watermelon. Heads of, heads, he, he brought some uh, heads of cabbage that were bigger than some watermelons that I've seen. My man knows what to do in the field. He knows how to make a field bring forth a harvest. And God said, when manna ceases, don't you worry. When manna ceases, you're about to move into abundance. When you get over just living on mercy, I've got a whole lot more for you. Here's what else I know. When there's corn in the field, there's cows in the pasture. Hey, anybody down for a ribeye steak today? I'm done with manna. Give me a ribeye steak. I'm done with honey-flavored bread every day. I want some tomatoes. I want some lettuce. I want some some cucumbers he said the enemy has come to rob to kill and to steal and destroy he said but I've come to give you life and that more abundantly pastor pastor there's two weeks in a row that you've preached against sin two weeks in a row why don't you leave me alone I like living my, my life I don't want God messing with, with who I am I feel good about myself and you're content with eating the same. You, you've never tasted of the full, fullness of what God has. Because all you do is come to church week after week and get a little bit of mercy. Just enough mercy to where you feel better about yourself, but then you can go back to the same old lifestyles that are giving you no heritage to pass on to your children. There's no seed in the ground. You're not being established. All you're living on is mercy. I'm telling you today that when you move from wandering and you begin to move into promise, the voice of God is going to speak and he's going to say, manna has got to cease now. Let me say this. I'm not saying mercy will no longer be needed. We're going to need mercy until the day that we die. You all believe that? Tell your neighbor, you will need mercy. Tell your other neighbor, neighbor the bald-headed guy with the microphone is going to need mercy. I'm not talking about never needing mercy. I'm talking about where mercy is all I'm living for. 
Mercy was never intended to be that. It was meant to be the substance that provided strength for them so they could move from bondage into promise. Amen. And it's got to come to an end of that where mercy is not just about what I get day after day after day and I never let God change anything in my life and I never let God challenge me, but I just keep living the same old way and then I wonder where is my joy and where is my peace and why am I praying that I hope my children don't end up like me? staying in the wilderness means manna for 40 years same thing day after day after day if never advancing beyond the mercy of the Lord means I'll never have an inheritance but on the contrast of that if moving into the promise of God brother Silvati means that I will produce in in the field and and, and the spirit in my life an inheritance and I'll be able to give something to, to my children if that's the truth, why would anybody want to stay in manna? Why would anybody not want manna to cease? And here's the reason. Because moving from manna to corn also ends the process of just waking up and it's there for you every morning. When manna ceases, you have to allow God to do a work in your life. Manna doesn't require any work. You just get up in the slobbering mess you've always been in and walk outside and get enough mercy to keep you another day. But when you move into the field, when you move beyond manna and you move into promised land, now you've got to let God start working some things in your life. You have to say goodbye to old ways of thinking. Some of you desperately want a heritage to hand to your children but you don't want the work of saying goodbye to the old man. You want the fruit of the Spirit. You want the joy and the peace. You want that desperately, but you don't want to leave the old lifestyle. You don't want to stop wandering in the wilderness, but you want the fruit of the promised land. Can I tell you, it can't be that way. Man, I must cease. Stand with me if you would. Half to allow God to change you. Without birdie, when I'm in wandering place, I can just keep on being who I am. Lust, perversion, addictions, carnality, prejudice, hatred, hating somebody because they're a political party. You can keep on doing that when you're in a wilderness. Come on, I'm preaching to where we're at right now. Everybody's acting like they don't know what I'm talking about. You can keep living the way you've always been living in the wilderness. The problem with that is you're never going to have a heritage. And some of you desperately want the fruit. How can I get that peace? How can I get that joy? How can I, pastor, I see your family. It looks like, looks can be deceiving, all right? We got a problem. We're not, we're not Ken and Barbie. All right? we, we've got problems. Our family has issues too. But we are working hard to give our children a godly heritage. And you can look at that and say, I desperately want that. But at the same time, I don't want to change the way I'm living. I don't want to change the things I'm doing. Well, guess what? If you want the fruit, the manna must cease. I feel like I'm preaching up against a spirit today. Maybe I'll preach another 30 minutes until we bust through that thing. Crossing the Jordan was a transformation in the life of Israel. That's why so many come to the Jordan but decide to stay in the wilderness. 
Because in the wilderness, there will always be manna. And I don't have to do anything to get it. All I've got to do is wake up and walk outside and it's waiting on me. I can keep being the same person I've always been. Keep doing the things that I've always wanted to do. And it requires nothing of me. But you can't have corn and manna at the same time. I looked at the caterpillar. Goes through that metamorphosis. Transformation thought the symbolism there is much like us moving from manna to corn moving from pleasing the flesh to walking after the spirit and I began to study as scientists have studied the intricacies of the mesmerizing mystery behind the transformation of that bland unattractive crawling caterpillar as it transforms into a beautiful mesmerizing fluttering butterfly through their studies they have come to understand that from the day that caterpillar is born as larva, the components that will take that caterpillar and turn it into a butterfly are present in that caterpillar the day it's born. One, there are two competing hormones in that caterpillar. One hormone by the name of ectozyme. And when the process comes about, this hormone will actually cause that caterpillar to digest itself. It will literally, that hormone will be released, and, and it's disgusting if I went into description, so just take my word for it, and then you could study it out later, that, that hormone ectozyme. They literally digest themselves. And then at the same time, there's another hormone in that caterpillar, and it's called the juvenile hormone. A hormone that will cause, that ectozyme, that will cause what appears to be a destructive work that will take everything that that caterpillar is and literally melt it down to a pile of, we'll just call it nothing, okay? But that same substance, Brother Silvati, that same substance created by that what appears to be destructive hormone, that same substance will be out of that substance now will grow the antenna that becomes the butterfly and the body of a butterfly and the beautiful wings of a butterfly and there's something innate in that butterfly that caterpillar that knows that, that, that the opposing hormone that juvenile hormone it opposes it opposes that ectozyme because it realizes the moment that I stop opposing you everything's going to change the moment I stop opposing this work that's going to destroy me and melt me down to nothing, what it doesn't realize, though, is it takes that process to become the beautiful thing that God designed it to be. And so that juvenile hormone opposes it and fights it and says, no, you're not going to change me. I'll remain what I am. But scientists say that that caterpillar ends up inside a cocoon. And the moment that that juvenile hormone is let down, the very moment the transformation begins. And within just a matter of days, that caterpillar will emerge from that cocoon as a beautiful butterfly. And I think of that today. There are so many people here today that you're fighting against the will of God. God is trying to transform you into something beautiful. You think that mercy is the best that God's got to offer, but it's only the beginning of what God has got to offer. And you oppose him and you say, no, God, you're not going to change me. I like who I am. But the moment... You surrender. 
Right now at this altar, God is waiting on somebody to walk down to this altar that will say, man, it has got to cease. Lord, I need more than just mercy. I need more than just mercy. I've been fighting you. I've been saying, God, you're not going to change me. I've been saying, God, you're not going to transform me. But the moment that you surrender. Oh, there's a beautiful transformation that takes place. And we leave behind manna of the wilderness. And we enter into a place where there's crops and there's corn and there's cabbage. I'm preaching to people right now. Don't shut me off. I'm trying to help you. You need more than mercy. Come on, I wish somebody would come to this altar. I know we knelt down and we fell on our faces once. But I wonder if one more time we could get down before God and say, I surrender all. I know it's an old song, but I surrender all to you, Jesus. I'm not fighting the will of God any longer. Man, I must cease. I'm tired of living off of mercy. I need more than mercy. Oh, you think that God is trying to destroy you. You think that God is trying to rob you of happiness. All along, God is not. He's got so much more for you. He's got joy that the Bible says is unspeakable and full of glory. But manna must cease. We've got to come to the end of ourselves. It's time to stop living these transient lives where we never establish ourselves. Some of you need to walk to this altar right now and you need to plow some things. You need to put some roots in the ground. I'm not leaving here until God changes some things in me. I'm tired of manna every day. I need something more than just mercy. Come on, there's more than mercy at this altar today. It's the mercy of God that you're here. But there's more than mercy at this altar today. Please don't leave here today with nothing more than mercy. There is so much more. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.